Chapter Five, Part Two of The Pit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Page plays very well, murmured Mrs. Cressler as the young girl laid down her mandolin. I hope Jay does come tonight, she added. I love to have him round. He's so hearty and whole-souled. Laura did not reply. She seemed a little preoccupied this evening, and conversation in the group died away. The night was very beautiful, serene, quiet, and at this particular hour of the end of the twilight no one cared to talk much. Cressler lit another cigar, and the filaments of delicate blue smoke hung suspended about his head in the moveless air. Far off from the direction of the mouth of the river, a lake steamer whistled a prolonged tenor note. Somewhere from an open window in one of the neighboring houses, a violin, accompanied by a piano, began to elaborate the sustained phrases of Schubert's serenade. Theatrical, as was the theme, the twilight and the muffled hum of the city, lapsing to quiet after the febrile activities of the day, combined to lend it a dignity, a persuasiveness. The children were still playing along the sidewalks, and their staccato gaiety was part of the quiet note to which all sounds of the moment seemed corded. After a while, Mrs. Cressler began to talk to Laura in a low voice. She and Charlie were going to spend a part of June at Okanomawak in Wisconsin. Why could not Laura make up her mind to come with them? She had asked Laura a dozen times already, but couldn't get a yes or no answer from her. What was uh, the reason she could not decide? Didn't she think she would have a good time? Paige can go, said Laura. I would like to have you take her. But as for me, I don't know. My plans are so unsettled this summer. She broke off suddenly. Oh, now that I think of it, I want to borrow your Idols of the King. May I take it for a day or two? I'll run in and get it now, she added as she rose. I know just where to find it. No, please sit still, Mr. Cressler. I'll go. And with the words she disappeared indoors, leaving Mrs. Cressler to murmur to her husband, Strange girl. Sometimes I think I don't know Laura at all. She's so inconsistent. How funny she acts about going to Okanomawak with us. Mr. Cressler permitted himself an amiable grunt of protest. Ugh. Laura's all right, handsomest girl in Cook County. Well, that's not much to do with it, Charlie, sighed Mrs. Cressler. Oh, dear, she added vaguely. I don't know. Don't know what? I hope Laura's life will be happy. Oh, for God's sake, Carrie. There's something about that girl, continued Mrs. Cressler, that makes my heart bleed for her. Cressler frowned, puzzled, and astonished. "'Hey, what?' he exclaimed. "'You're crazy, Carrie.' "'Just the same,' persisted Mrs. Cressler. "'I just yearn toward her sometimes like a mother. "'Some people are born to trouble, Charlie, "'born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. "'And you mark my words, Charlie Cressler, "'Laura is that sort. "'There's all the pathos in the world "'in just the way she looks at you from under all that black black hair and out of her eyes the saddest eyes sometimes great sad mournful eyes fiddlesticks said mr cressler resuming his paper i'm po 
positive that Sheldon Corthell asked her to marry him, mused Mrs. Cressler after a moment's silence. I'm sure that's why he left so suddenly. Her husband grunted grimly as he turned his paper so as to catch the reflection of the vestibule light. Don't you think so, Charlie? I don't know. I never had much use for that fellow, anyhow. He's wonderfully talented, she commented, and so refined. He always has the most beautiful manners. Did you ever notice his hands? I thought they were like a barber's. Put him in Jay's rig there behind those horses of his, and how long do you suppose he'd hold those trotters with that pair of hands? Why, he blustered suddenly, they'd pull him right over the dashboard. Poor little Landry Court murmured his wife, lowering her voice. He's just about heartbroken. He wanted to marry her, too. My goodness, she must have brought him up with a round turn. I can see Laura when she is really angry. Poor fellow. If you women would let that boy alone, he might amount to something. He told me his life was ruined. Cressler threw his cigar from him with vast impatience. Oh, rot, he muttered. He took it terribly, seriously, Charlie, just the same. I'd like to take that young boy in hand and shake some of the nonsense out of him that you women have filled him with. He's got a level head on the floor every day and never yet bought a hat full of wheat on his own account. Don't know the meaning of speculation and don't want to. There's a boy with some sense. It's just as well, persisted Mrs. Cressler reflectively, that Laura wouldn't have him. Of course, they're not made for each other, but I thought that Corthell would have made her happy. But she won't ever marry Jay. He asked her to. She didn't tell me, but I know he did. And she's refused him flatly. She won't marry anybody, she says. Said she didn't love anybody and never would. I'd have loved to have seen her married to Jay, but I can see now that they wouldn't have been congenial. And if Laura wouldn't have Sheldon Corthell, who was just made for her, I guess it's no use to expect she'd have Jay. Laura's got a temperament, and she's artistic, and loves paintings, and poetry, and Shakespeare, and all that, and Curtis don't care for those things at all. They wouldn't have had anything in common. But Corthell, oh, that was different. And Laura did care for him in a way. He interested her immensely. When he'd get started on art subjects, Laura would just hang on every word. My lands, I, I wouldn't have gone away if I'd been in his boots. You'll mark my words, Charlie. There was the man for Laura, Dearborn, and she'll marry him yet, or I miss my guess. That's just like you, Carrie. You and the rest of the women, exclaimed Cressler, always scheming to marry each other off. Why don't you let the girl alone? Laura's all right. She minds her own business, and she's perfectly happy. But you'd go to work and get up a sensation about her and say that your heart bleeds for her and that she's born to trouble and has sad eyes. If she gets into trouble, it'll be because someone else makes it for her. You take my advice and let her paddle her own canoe. She's got the head to do it. Don't you worry about that. By the way, Cressler interrupted himself, seizing the opportunity to change the subject. By the way, Carrie, 
Curtis has been speculating again. I'm sure of it. Too bad, she murmured. So it is, Cressler went on. He and Gretry are thick as thieves these days. Gretry, I understand, has been selling September wheat for him all last week, and only this morning they closed out another scheme, some corn game. It was all over the floor, just about closing time. They tell me that Curtis landed between eight and ten thousand. Always seems to win. I'd give a lot to keep him out of it. But since his deal in May wheat, he's been getting into it more and more. Did he sell that property on Washington Street? She inquired. Oh, exclaimed her husband. I'd forgot. I meant to tell you. No, he didn't sell it. But he did better. He wouldn't sell, and those department store people took a lease. Guess what they pay him? Three hundred thousand a year. Jay is getting richer all the time, and why he can't be satisfied with his own business instead of monkeying around LaSalle Street is a mystery to me. But as Mrs. Cressler was about to reply, Laura came to the open window of the parlor. Oh, Mrs. Cressler, she called, I don't seem to find your idols after all. I thought they were in the little bookcase. Wait, I'll find them for you, exclaimed Mrs. Cressler. Would you mind? answered Laura as Mrs. Cressler rose. Inside, the gas had not been lighted. The library was dark and cool, and when Mrs. Cressler had found the book for Laura, the girl pleaded a headache as an excuse for remaining within. The two sat down by the raised sash of a window at the side of the house that overlooked the side yard, where the morning glories and nasturtiums were in full bloom. Oh, the house is cooler, isn't it? observed Mrs. Cressler. Laura settled herself in her wicker chair, and with a gesture that of late had become habitual with her, pushed her heavy coils of hair to one side and patted them softly to place. "'It is getting warmer, I do believe,' she said rather listlessly. "'I understand it is to be a very hot summer.' Then she added, "'I'm to be married in July, Mrs. Cressler.' Mrs. Cressler gasped, and, sitting bolt upright, stared for one breathless instant at Laura's face, dimly visible in the darkness. And then, stupefied, she managed to vociferate, What? Laura? Married? My darling girl! Yes, answered Laura calmly, in July, or maybe sooner. Why, I thought you had rejected Mr. Corthell. I thought that's why he went away. Went away? He never went away. I mean, it's not Mr. Corthell, it's Mr. Jadwin. Thank God, declared Mrs. Cressler fervently, and with the words kissed Laura on both cheeks. My dear, dear child, you can't tell how glad I am. From the very first I've said you were made for one another, and I thought all the time that you told him you wouldn't have him. I did, said Laura. Her manner was quiet. She seemed a little grave. I told him I did not love him. Only last week I told him so. Well, why did you promise? My goodness, exclaimed Laura with a show of animation. You don't realize what it's been. Do you suppose you can say no to that man? Oh, of course not. Of course not, declared Mrs. Cressler joyfully. That's Jay all over. I might have known that he'd have you if he set out to do it. 
morning noon and night laura continued he seemed willing to wait as long as i wasn't definite but one day i wrote to him and gave him a square no so he couldn't mistake and just as soon as i'd said that he he began i didn't have any peace until i'd promised him and the moment i had promised he had a ring on my finger he'd had it ready in his pocket for weeks it seems no she exclaimed as mrs cressler laid her fingers upon her left hand that i would not have yet oh it was like jay to be persistent repeated mrs cressler persistent murmured laura he simply wouldn't talk of anything else he was making him sick he said and he did have a fever often but he would come out to see me just the same one night when it was pouring rain well i'll tell you he had been to dinner with us and afterwards in the drawing-room i told him no for the hundredth time just as plainly as i could and he went away early it wasn't eight i thought that now at last he had given up but he was back again before ten the same evening he said he had come back to return a copy of a book i had loaned him jane ear it was raining i never saw it rain as it did that night he was drenched and even at dinner he had had a low fever and then i was sorry for him i told him he could come to see me again i didn't propose to have him come down with pneumonia or typhoid or something and so it all began over again but you loved him laura demanded mrs cressler you love him now laura was silent then at length i don't know she answered well of course you love him laura insisted mrs cressler you wouldn't have promised him if you hadn't of course you love him don't you yes i, I suppose i must love him or as you say i wouldn't have promised to marry him he does everything every little thing i say he just seems to think of nothing but to please me from morning until night. And when I finally said I would marry him, why, Mrs. Cressler, he choked all up, and the tears ran down his face, and all he could say was, May God bless you, may God bless you, over and over again, and his hand shook so that... Oh, well, she broke off abruptly, then added, Somehow it makes tears come to my eyes to think of it. But Laura urged mrs cressler you love curtis don't you 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 you're such a strange girl sometimes dear child talk to me as though i were your mother there's no one in the world loves you more than i do you love curtis don't you laura hesitated a long moment yes she said slowly at length i think i love him very much sometimes and then sometimes i think i don't i can't tell there are days when i'm sure of it and there are others when i wonder if i want to be married after all i thought when love comes it was to be oh, oh uplifting something glorious like juliet's love or marguerite's something that would suddenly she struck her hand to her breast her fingers shut tight closed to a fist oh something that would shake me all to pieces i thought that was the only kind of love there was oh that's what you read about in trashy novels mrs cressler assured her or the kind you see at the matinees i wouldn't let that bother me laura there's no doubt that jay loves you laura brightened a little oh no she answered there's no doubt about that 
It's splendid, that part of it. He seems to think there's nothing in the world too good for me. Just imagine. Only yesterday I was saying something about my gloves. I really forgot what. Something about how hard it was for me to get the kind of gloves I liked. Would you believe it? He, he got me to give him my measure, and when I saw him in the evening, he told me he had cabled to Brussels to some famous glove-maker, and had ordered I don't know how many pairs. Just like him. Just like him, cried Mrs. Cressler. I know you will be happy, Laura, dear. You can't help be but with a man who loves you as Jay does. I think I shall be happy, answered Laura, suddenly grave. Oh, Mrs. Cressler, I want to be. I hope that I won't come to myself some day after it is too late and find that it was all a mistake. Her voice shook a little. You, you don't know how nervous I am these days. One minute I am one kind of girl, and the next minute another kind. I'm so nervous, and, oh, I don't know. Oh, I guess it will be all right. She wiped her eyes and laughed a note. <laughs> I don't see why I should cry about it, she murmured. Well, Laura, answered Mrs. Cressler, if you don't love Curtis, don't marry him. That's very simple. It's like this, Mrs. Cressler, Laura explained. I suppose I am very uncharitable and unchristian, but I like the people that like me, and I hate those that don't like me. I can't help it. I know it's wrong, but that's the way I am. And I love to be loved. The man that would love me the most would make me love him. And when Mr. Jadwin seems to care so much and do so much and... You know how I mean. It does make a difference, of course. I suppose I care as much for Mr. Jadwin as I ever will care for any man. I suppose I must be cold and unemotional. Mrs. Cressler could not restrain a movement of surprise. You unemotional! Why, I thought you just said, Laura, that you had imagined love would be like Juliet and like that girl in Faust, that, that it was going to shake you all to pieces. Did I say that? Well, I told you I was one girl one minute and another another. I don't know myself these days. Oh, hark! she said abruptly as the cadence of hoofs began to make itself audible from the end of the side street. That's the team now. I could recognize those horses trot as far as I could hear it. Let's go out. I know he would like to have me there when he drives up. And you know... She put her hand on Mrs. Cressler's arm as the two moved toward the front door. This is all absolutely a secret as yet. Why, of course, Laura, dear. But tell me just one thing more. Mrs. Cressler asked in a whisper, Are you going to have a church wedding? Hey, Carrie called Mr. Cressler from the stoop. Here's Jay. Laura shook her head. No, I want it to be very quiet at our house. We'll go to the Geneva Lake for the summer. That's why, you see, I couldn't promise to go to Okanamawak with you. They came out upon the front steps, Mrs. Cressler's arm around Laura's waist. It was dark by now, and the air was perceptibly warmer. The team was swinging down the street close at hand, the hoofbeats exactly timed, as if there were but one instead of two horses. "'Well, what's the record tonight, Jay?' cried Cressler, as Jadwin brought the bays to a stand at the horse-block. Jadwin did not respond until he had passed the reins to the coachman, 
and taking the stopwatch from the latter's hand, he drew on his cigar and held the glowing tip to the dial. Eleven minutes and a quarter,' he announced, "'and we had to wait for the bridge at that.' He came up the steps, fanning himself with his slouch hat, and dropped into the chair that Landry had brought for him. "'Upon my word,' he exclaimed gingerly, drawing off his driving gloves, "'I've got no feeling in my fingers at all. "'Those fellows will pull my hands clean off some day.' "'But he was hardly settled in his place "'before he proposed to send the coachman home "'and to take Laura for a drive toward Lincoln Park, "'and even a little way into the park itself. "'He promised to have her back within an hour.' "'I haven't any hat,' objected Laura. "'I should love to go, but I ran over here tonight without any hat.' "'Well, I wouldn't let that stand in my way, Laura,' protested Mrs. Gressler. "'It will be simply heavenly in the park on such a night as this.'" End of Chapter 5, Part 2